the Bar podcast brought to you by the good people of Barnstormers Brewing and also Big Bone Barbecue, Barry's Best, Lone Slow Barbecue. Uh, today I'm joined by Vic and Jer and by ex-Red Bulls New York, Portland Timber, TFC, many other clubs. Please give a big welcome yeah, to Jeremy Hall. Thanks very much for, for coming and talking to us, Jeremy. I really, really appreciate it. I'm excited We've, we've got a lot to talk to you about, but uh, some of it is going to be from my naivety, so I, I suppose I'm going to start at the very start. So, you're originally from Tampa, isn't it? Yep. And, like, did you grow up in, like, a, a soccer household, or was, like, you you were just into a lot of sports as a kid, and you just happened to excel at soccer? Yeah, yeah, it's funny. So, I was uh, grew up in Tampa, always outside playing, because it's always warm year-round. Um, but I was actually big into baseball. I did everything... Uh, basketball, football, um, but I was big into baseball. And when I was eight, my mom went to go sign my younger brother and I up to play and it was all full. So um, I was devastated. My younger brother was like, well, let's play soccer. And I fought him about it, but then ended up, uh, I ended up agreeing to play and then had the time of my life. And then from there, it kind of just went up. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, the other thing I was going to ask you about there, so again, I don't understand the, 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 the how American sports really work. So, like, when you were, like, you came for your, for your local team, and then is it like an American college comes in, and they scout you, and then you go to college, and from college, then you go to the MLS? Yep, more or less. I mean, it's changed a lot from when I was, from when I was younger going through that process, because now... All the MLS teams have academies. A lot of the, the youth soccer clubs are um, a lot further along in that sense. There's a lot more scouts um, that are going out to watch players. Uh, but for me growing up, yeah, it was high school. It was going in um, when I was in high school, college coaches were out recruiting, uh, went to college. And then from there, I got drafted into the, to the MLS. Okay. So do you find that now, like, obviously, grassroots soccer, like you're talking about there, is very different than what it used to be. Is high school still as large of a conduit for it, or do you find that the academies are taking a lot of the players pre-high school and running them through the system differently? Yeah, I I, I know in the States, uh, there was one point um, during the USDA, I know it just folded, so um, it'll be interesting to see how the MLS does it, but... Um, yeah, you couldn't play high school soccer and club soccer. So it was really weird. I didn't understand how you can tell kids to not play. But, um, yeah, totally different now. Uh, when I was growing up, you could do everything. We was constantly playing, which was awesome. So, yeah. So wow, being so from you're the... saying that kids can't play high school and club soccer. That's how it was. I don't know how that's going to change with the USDA folding because of this uh, COVID. But, um, yeah, that's how it was for a bit. Oh, wow. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, so being from the Tampa area, and I know Florida's a very cultural state, playing soccer in high school, was the competition at all very good, or how would you rate the competition? So when I was in that high school phase, it was actually really good. I didn't end up going to a normal, quote-unquote, high school. I was down... Um, in Bradenton, IMG Academy with uh, our U-17 uh, U.S. national team. So I was actually in high school with like Michael Bradley, Freddie Adu, um, those guys. So we were, we were out traveling uh, different countries, playing against um, other national teams, preparing for our U-17 World Cup. 
but all my buddies and stuff, the level was was great in high school. Uh, the public school system, private school system, really good competition. Actually, that leads me on to my next one, which is, again, when you're when you're playing at that level in high school, like by the time you're like 14, 15, 16 years old, did you know that like going for pro is what you wanted to do? That this is like this is a real possibility. Yeah, you know, so so in Tampa we had our Tampa Bay Mutiny. Uh, from 96 to 2000 before they folded um, was so devastating for me. But, yeah, I loved it. I loved being in the stadium. I loved seeing these guys. Uh, Roy Lasseter was my idol at that point. Carlos Valderrama was, was on the team. So it was awesome to watch these guys. Um, I've gotten to, I, I actually got to go into the locker room a few times just because of people who I knew who worked for the team that would take me and my teammates down. Uh, so it was awesome. And then I, I – I, I didn't think about realistically being pro until I was in college. You know, I mean, I think I wanted to be there one day for sure, but it wasn't more of a reality until it was just like people were saying my name about these things. And I was like, wow, this could actually come true. Yeah. So from a U-17 like, national team perspective, when you were qualifying for the World Cup and playing in the World Cup, you still didn't have the idea that you were going to go pro at that point. Was it doesn't like, was there not scouts? Were you not being questioned at that age if you were going to be going pro or was it just not a mindset for you yet i mean i think i think it was definitely a mindset um i just knew how hard it was so being in that environment and being around quote unquote the best 40 because we had 40 kids there the best 40 kids in the country um i was never the star player i was never the the starter for an extended period of time there was there was moments in time where i had to run a games where i was a starter there was moments where you know, I was coming off the bench. There was moments where I didn't play games. So uh, for me, it was just trying to be as good as I can, trying to, to show the coaching staff that, you know, I have an ability to be a starter all the time. But being in that environment, I never was like, oh, I'm going to be pro. I was something that I was working towards. But I would say it wasn't until college when I was like, wow, like, okay, I'm ready for this. So you basically moved from the national team and then, get picked up by the University of Maryland. How did that end up playing a role in your career, being able to play there for a couple of seasons? Man, it was awesome. So so like I said about my high school experience, um, I was in and out of the starting lineup. We had guys who signed contracts with the MLS right out of high school. Uh, we had guys who were, you know, all these colleges were sending them letters after letters. Um, I remember it was the summer going into – our World Cup down in Peru and Sasha, who's still out in Maryland, sent me an email saying that, you know, he's been watching me and he wanted me to come take a look at the school. And um, as soon as I stepped foot on campus, I fell in love with it. Uh, the coaching staff there, um, awesome guys. Just the, the reputation that the school had from a soccer standpoint, constantly in the College Cup. They won the national championship also in 2005. So it was an easy decision, but... Being in college, it was amazing. Everybody who went to Maryland had that idea, we want to go pro. Uh, we constantly trained year-round. Um, it was We trained, obviously, during the, the school years, but during the summers, during the winters, a lot of guys stayed on, cap, on campus to take extra classes. So it was awesome pickup games. Some of the players from D.C. United would come, and, and we'd um, get to play pickup games with those guys as well. So it was a real soccer school it's for me one of the best in the country and and what Astro's done there has been amazing 
Okay, yeah, that's that sounds awesome. But again, I don't know much about the American colleges. To be honest with you, I don't know much about the Irish college system. I never really went. But uh, uh, when you when you're talking about the American college system, like again, this is just me watching movies and TV. When you see like American sports, like it was there a lot of fans at games and stuff like that. When you said the college was all about that, so like, did this actually help you to go pro from like, you know, like? the first time you would made your debut for Red Bulls, it wasn't the first time you'd played in front of a big crowd. Yeah, right. So I think every every school is different. For us at Maryland, we we were top five constantly. So um, we, we our atmosphere was amazing. We got everybody's best game. We were the, the school with our target on our backs. Um, every game on campus, we probably had anywhere from a low game, 3,000, and then when we played the top schools, we'd get like 6,000. So it was packed on our little stadium. Uh, we have a supporter section called the crew, the UMD crew, and they were awesome. They would um, they would research like the goalie um, information, like their girlfriend or whatever, and they would just kill them the whole game. It was awesome. So um, those atmospheres were um, definitely beneficial for, for me and my, my development. Oh yeah, three to six thousand is, is a very good time. You can run it. I think a lot of Canadian Premier League teams would be would be happy with a crowd like that. Yeah, yeah, it was it was amazing. So, playing for a tunnel like that, did you find that the recruitment system for the MLA area there at that point, or was it still like a little? In fact, soccer wasn't one of the prominent sports for any sort of recruitment team from the U.S. in terms of comparison to the other sports. Do you find it was really starting to pick up when you were at the University of Maryland there? Uh, re- like recruiting from MLS teams or worldwide yeah. teams? I guess all of the above, honestly. Um, I don't know how it was for teams around the world because I never had any of that. But I would say from um, for MLS, for MLS-wise, a lot of teams – did their homework. We had a lot of scouts, a lot of coaches from MLS teams at our games, um, being at the College Cup, uh, which is our Final Four, um, I would call it, um, flooded with with every team there. Um, So these teams definitely do their due diligence. So when playing at the University of Maryland, who would you have considered your best, I would say, teammate, and also who would be the best player that you played against at the college level? That's a good question. Um, I would say my best teammate. So Omar Gonzalez, who plays for um, TFC now, we went to high school and college together. We were roommates, so we were really close. We had a lot of the same classes together, um, so we were kind of attached to the hip for most of college. So I'd probably say him. Um, And then the best player I played in college. This is actually a lot of good players then. Um, Charlie Davies was really good. He went to Boston College. Um, Marisa Du, I played with him, but he was an amazing player. Um, Wake Forest, uh, they had they had a lot of good players at that time too. So there was no one, there was no one player that was just like, wow, like this guy was amazing. But there was a lot of good players that had good MLS careers. And there was a lot of good teams um, that were really fun to play against that were just like really good competition. Okay. And then if you could explain to me again, you're, 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 you're going to college in Maryland. And then how does it 
get from going to college there to being picked up by New York Red Bulls? Like, how, how does that process go? You go into a draft. Is there some stage where you, you, you don't know where you're going and it it just, you know, next minute you're told you're going to New York and that's that, that's the end of it? Yep. So, so they have, obviously, the college season. And then um, at the end of every college season, just like every other sport, well, I would say basketball, uh, football, they have a combine. So we would go down to Florida. They would invite... I don't know how many how many seniors they would invite down to Florida. You do a combine, so then all the teams were there. They'd watch all the games. They first they'd put you in the teams. Um, all the MLS clubs would watch the games. Uh, they'd interview some certain players, whoever they wanted to talk to, and then from there, you'd you'd go to wherever the the draft was. For me, we went to St. Louis, so we went from Florida. We all jumped on a plane. We went to uh, St. Louis, and then from there they had a draft. So you have no idea where you're going. You you might talk to a bunch of different teams. Coaches might ask you a bunch of different questions. And then however that draft falls out, trades, um, whatever the selection order is, everything's up in the air at that point. So your first transfer between teams, you went from the New York Red Bulls. What's it like getting traded to another team in the MLS and then going back to your own stadium and playing against them? It's a good question. Um, I would say the first time it happened to me was actually the smoothest out of all of them because my two years in, in New York were awesome. My rookie year, I played a lot. My second year, um, I played a handful of games, um, but I, I was in and out of injuries that year. But at the end of every year, you have meetings with you know the coaching staff, um, the front office, and I had a, a lot of great feedback, and they were very honest and upfront with me, and um, they said that they wanted to have me back, but they were in a win-now situation, and they were going to bring in um, veterans um, at every every position. So they were kind of just like, "We'll let you, we'll we'll let you know what happened." So I was I was in Florida, uh, just working out, staying ready, and they basically called me and were like, "Look, like Portland." called us about you how do you feel about going there and I I jumped at it you know I think knowing that John Spencer was going to be the coach and someone that really wanted me to be there I was excited for it so that transition was super smooth super easy um, probably the easiest of, of the few that I had during my career um, and then going back to Red Bull was awesome I got to open that stadium in 2010 uh, one of the best stadiums in the league it's it's amazing so going back there uh, seeing those fans um, being in that environment was 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 uh, really special. And so you mentioned New York Red Bull Arena being one of the better uh, stadiums that you've played in. Um, what other stadiums would you consider that w that you have played in would be top class stadiums? I mean, you have Red Bulls, you have BMO Field, you have out in Seattle, you have all these NFL stadiums that you would have played in as well. When the Revolution being out in Seattle with the Sounders as well. I mean. What stadiums would you consider top tier in MLS? That's a good question. And, and for me, it's, it's amazing to see the growth of the league because my rookie year, we played in, in Giant Stadium. And for football games, it's great. But for soccer, it was terrible. I mean, we were, first, we weren't that good that year. And so we didn't fill it up close to it. We probably had a few thousand fans, it seemed like. Um, and then you're playing on turf, and it was terrible. But... Um, but now to see some of these stadiums that are coming in are, are, are amazing. So for me personally, um, my first game was in Seattle during Seattle's first year, 2009. 
uh, was incredible. Uh, 36,000 fans, that energy, that, that city was incredible. Uh, it's so loud. You can't hear anything in there. Um, so I love, I love playing in Seattle. I uh, love playing in, in Portland. I think their atmosphere is one of the best with their supporter section in the back. Um, every game sold out. Every game, fans are waiting to get in there. So I love playing in Portland as well. Red Bulls is beautiful. Kansas City has a beautiful stadium. So it was cool seeing them transition from there. They played at a baseball field to then building this world-class stadium, right? Um, so those, I, I, I never got to play in Atlanta, but Atlanta looks amazing, right? So all these new teams that are coming in, they're really setting the bar high for these teams like, um, I don't know, the Columbus that are building new stadiums, right? All these teams are kind of just doing amazing things. BMO, even, even, even BMO Field. It wasn't like that uh, when I was here playing, right? So going in there in 2015 and seeing uh, the renovations and all that stuff, it's it's amazing. Yeah, one of the other actually, it's a two-part question, but it's just something from MLS that I find hard to wrap my head around. One is, what's it like for the grind of of, of players? That the amount of travel that you guys have to do compared to any other league in in Europe seems absolutely exhausting, and the other thing about the MLS that I find it hard to wrap my head around is the designated player rule. As a player who's not a designated player, what's it like training and playing with guys who are like earning, I don't know, what it might be, like 10 times your salary, and it, 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 if they throw it in in training one day, you know what I mean? They're, they're not really at it, or you know, guys coming over at the end of their career just phoning it in for an extra few dollars. Anyway, sorry, two questions in one, but there you go. Um, so the first part of the travel... It was, I guess it was crazy, you know, like I never really um, mentally let those things affected, uh, affect me, but it was crazy, especially at that time, because you, you could go from east to west coast and maybe even have a midweek game in there. So, um, or you're traveling down into Houston where it's just super hot and humid and you might have just played a few days before. So the travel definitely plays a a big fact is a big factor in that. But having said that, a lot of the medical staffs and, and, the, and the trainers do a lot of good recovery sessions. I think coaches do a good job of, of um, you know, gearing the sessions towards all these, all this travel. Um, and then the second part of that question, you know, I, I never really thought about that when you're playing against these guys, because my, <laughs> In 2010, getting to play with like Thierry Henry, it was just like, you're not even thinking about his money. You're more mesmerized by, wow, how did he see that pass or this and that, right? You're playing with uh, Rafa Marquez, who's amazing Mexican international playing at Barcelona as well, right? I got to play with Torsten Frings, and you get to see these guys, and it's not even about the money they make. It's more about, um, wow, these guys are really cool. These guys are really sharing their experiences. These guys are helping me grow in my game, so... Um, I don't know how it is now because I'm not in that environment now with the, that DP situation is changing all now, right? A lot of teams are getting the young DP where they're maybe gambling a little bit on, on giving a, this player a lot of money and maybe he doesn't um, pan out to what they expect. But I think a lot of teams have great scouting departments and you can see it from Atlanta, some of these guys that are getting sold into England and stuff, so. Yeah, one thing I wanted to ask you about is when you played Juventus FC, and this kind of relates to those guys coming over, is there a huge difference between the guys who come over who are playing for Juventus compared to the guys who come over after their careers have, as the media would say, are on the tail end of them? Like, was Thierry Henry 
noticeably different than the Thierry Henry we all watched growing up, or was he still a phenomenon? Yeah, he was still he was still phenomenon. I mean, this guy joined us after playing in the World Cup, so I think you can't be at the tail end of your career um, and playing in World Cups for France. Um, I mean, he also went back to Arsenal on, on a loan spell, so um, yeah, these guys are still at the top. I got to play against Beckham in 2009, and you don't you don't have a you appreciate these guys more when you're on the field against them because some of the moves or their movement or just the technique that they have, uh, you can see it on TV, but when you're up close and live and you're competing against these guys, it's a, it's a totally different level. Absolutely. And so when you're playing against those types of players, what type of style do you like to play? Do you like to play more aggressive, try to move the ball forward? Or does that really depend on how the coach wants to play the other team sometimes? Because... Sometimes that becomes a problem where, you know, you may want to, oh, I want to play aggressive against this guy where the coaches know we want to play, you know, more back, more of a, more of a different style. What style do you, do you prefer to play? Uh, the style for me personally is, is possession. Um, I love keeping the ball. I, I, I was always that way growing up because my coaches growing up were from South America. So it was a possession based, um, a lot of the ball, make the other team run. But early on in my career in MLS, it's the league's grown so much, right? So it depends on the coach. A lot of teams are more direct, playing for second balls. A lot of teams sit back and, and wait for that team to, to come into your to your space or zone of the field. So the, for me, those were always tough, right? Because I love to be the protagonist. I love going after it. I love being on the front foot. So um, I've played for coaches who were both styles or all different styles. So... For me, that was invaluable because as a coach now, I'm able to do what, what I believe in, but I uh, definitely learned a lot from, from the different styles. Okay, so we talked about you, you, your progress from college then to, to New York Red Bulls, then to Portland, and then you had to move to Dallas. It seems like you, you only spent a short time at Dallas. Was, was there anything going on there? Did you not get on with the coach? Was it just not a right fit for you or...? That was that was a, a move that I wasn't I shouldn't say too fond of. It was just a lot of stuff that was going on behind the scenes. So when I was in Portland, um, I didn't know if I was going to be there for a month. There was just a lot of stuff going back and forth, back and forth. Um, and so like that was probably the hardest time of my career because at that point, I think I was 22 and, um, there was just a lot of uncertainty on what was going to happen with that. Just, um, if I was going to go to Dallas because Dallas had inquired about me a few times into Portland and, um, I had a very open relationship with the head coach, John Spencer, and he told me he didn't want me to go. Um, and I think from my conversations with the GM at the time, it was kind of like what's happening over here. So I ended up going to Dallas, and I love Dallas. Dallas was a great locker room, great organization, uh, beautiful facilities. Um, but what happened was at the end of the year, I had my meetings with uh, the coach and the general manager there. And they, the contract that I had, I had an option year on my contract, so the team either could pick it up or they – but they wanted to redo my deal. And I obviously didn't want to redo my deal. And um, – so I was just having conversations with my agent, and then Toronto ended up coming in and traded for me. So it worked out perfectly. Uh, 
So going to Toronto, I mean, you scored your first professional goal there. What was yeah. the environment in Toronto like? Because being a Toronto fan, of course, we think we have the best stadium, the best environment. Is it is it as as much as they say it is, or is it pretty comparable to the rest of the league? And what was scoring your first professional goal like? Yeah, it was awesome, man. So I actually followed uh, Toronto FC 2007 when I was still in college because Mo Adu, my former teammate, was the number one pick here. So I think... I think TFC kind of set the bar as far as fan bases and that energy with like the TIFO and throwing all like the, the, what is it? The confetti at the players and stuff and the smoke bombs and the cushions and all that stuff. So I think they set the bar at that point. Um, so getting it to be a part of that is, is amazing. And, and even my time playing for Toronto, we weren't the best. We, we lost a lot of games and we still had fans come out and support on the field um in the streets you can still see people with the tfc shirt and hat and and all that gear on so it was really cool and then to finally score my first professional goal is awesome I, I used to score a bunch growing up in high school and college i was a goal scorer and then my time coming into the league i got i got moved back into defending role um, center mid holding mid role uh so i wasn't a, a goal scorer like that so to be able to score uh, two goals for Toronto, uh, it was awesome, man. It was such a great feeling. And you must have been really happy when Toronto won the MLS Cup, I mean, when you had Michael Bradley, a friend of yours, Omar Gonzalez last year getting to an MLS Cup final playing for Toronto FC. You must have been happy for those former friends of yours that you've been able to play with and then play on TFC, able to ex share that experience with those guys that they've actually played on TFC and having that big of a franchise. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, for me, being a part of Toronto and, and we never made the playoffs and um, we were close at times, um, for them to finally get into the playoffs and then just to see how the city really embraced that and then them losing in the cup that I was actually at um, in 2016 and then for them to finally win, it was amazing. I mean, um, the coaching staff were, were all here when I was here. A lot of the academy coaches were here. The chefs at the facility were there. You know, I mean, it's just a lot of the front office is just like a family, right? So I definitely followed them while I was along uh, to see them do that and, and to still be around the facility now. It's just, it's, it's amazing. It's a club that you don't really realize how good you have it until you leave. And, and I, I, I actually left from Toronto and you're just like, wow, like they really did st set the bar high. The standard is um, second to none. So um, I'm a big supporter of the club and and, and the city. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was Paul Mariner that that signed you, wasn't it, when you first went to Toronto? Yep. Am I right in saying? Yep. Yeah, he's an ex, ex Plymouth boss as well. And then during your time, it, 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 he he unfortunately didn't go well from. And then you ended up getting Ryan Nelson, who brought a, a few players over with him uh, fr from England, uh, as far as I know, like uh, Stephen Caldwell and Robbie Earnshaws and players like that. But uh, my question would be, it seems like when you were talking about your coaches, there seems to be an underlying uh, that a lot of English-based coaches have been in your career. Like, I, I wonder how that went for you. Because you had a, a, a good time with John Spencer. Yeah, I did. Um I'm trying to think. John Spencer, I think he was probably my first uh, what a British coach, yeah. Um, awesome guy. Very honest, very upfront, very passionate. Um, I love that about him. Um, if you were playing well, he would tell you you're playing well. If you were playing bad, he would tell you you're playing bad. He was just very honest and upfront. 
Um, I worked with Paul Mariner, and he was the same, just very honest. And, and as a player, that's what you want. You want someone who's going to tell you how it is and, and not sugarcoat it because I know it's a tough business. I know it's hard to pick a, a, an 11 and 18, and, and you have to manage all these different personalities, but that honesty is something that I think every player loves. So working with those guys, uh, it was amazing. So are you uh, are you aware of anything going on with the the CPL? Seeing as like you're playing in a league that's obviously a, quite a bit higher than that still now, but are you aware with anything that's happening? Do you follow it at all? Um, I wouldn't say I follow it. I know Forge Nine because I worked with Jimmy at TFC and I've seen some of the signings that they've had. Um, that's pretty much it. Like some of the players that are coming in, like the Kyle Becker, I know he plays for the Forge team, I believe. So I've, I've, I've seen a little bit, but I haven't seen any games. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to say, do you think that, I mean, coming from a league that's doing obviously a little bit better, would you say that they're on the right path? And if, if they are or aren't, what would you, what would you think they should change moving forward to help the league grow? Yeah. I mean, I, I, for me, I think they're on the right path, right? I think there's so many good players in Canada that just need a shot, need a, a team to to play. And I think to be able to go into all these different markets and, and maybe find the next Alfonso Davies, Jonathan Osorio, um, you can do that in these leagues, right? And I think the more time that they're there, the more that they'll grow. We have the World Cup coming in 2026, which I think is, is huge for – um, all of North America, Mexico, USA, and Canada. So you can never have too many soccer teams. Um, I, I think it can only be an added bonus. And then um, I saw the, the Canadian championship schedule. So I see there could be some awesome potential matches with some MLS teams with the Canadian Premier League teams. And, and those are the matchups that um, those Canadian Premier League teams will live for, right? To show that they can play at the highest level. So and I, I, the more teams, the better. It's, it's, it's the best. And so you mentioned that you've gone into a little more of a coaching role. How do you like being in that coaching role? How do you like being able to coach players to make them into star players or even try to make them into a better role player? Yeah, I love it. You know, And it's something that I always wanted to do after I was done playing. And... Um, I didn't think I, I would have gotten into it the way the way it happened, but because and the reason why I said it is because I still at that time I still wanted to play, and so being around the facility and seeing these guys training with the first team and stuff, I was still kind of a bit jealous, right? I wanted to be out there playing, but I love coaching. I, I love being around these guys. I love being able to help these guys get to their dreams, and um, to have some kind of effect on that is is awesome for me. So. I'm still continuing to grow in it. I'm still learning, um, but I'm loving every part of the phase. Okay, I, I want to ask you about a player that you talked, about, you mentioned a little bit earlier. Was Freddie Adu? I think he was one of the few players that you actually heard about in Europe. Like he had a night contract at 14, 15 years old. Like, was he a phenomenon when he was younger? Like an absolute beast of a player. And then what happened to him? Yeah, um, I'm. I don't know if I can tell you what happened to him because I wasn't along with him, but when I was 14 and I had went into the national team, he was there already. So I got to train with him for a bit. Uh, it was, it was awesome to see this guy at the time. I think he was 14, 
or so, 14, 15. Um, he was just so dynamic. He had power, pace. His left foot was amazing. Technically, he was very gifted. Um, I mean, he was one of those players where in any moment of the game, if you needed a solution, if you needed that difference, you could just find him and, and he was able to um, wiggle his way through and, 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 and score a goal. So for me, it was awesome to see. He was just a, a great talent. I don't know what happened in his career, to be honest. I, I wasn't with him with that, so I can't say. But I got I got the chance to play with him again for a little bit in Tampa. And, uh, Tampa. Yeah, so it was cool to reconnect with him. But definitely wasn't the same player that he was when he was younger. Uh, but, yeah, man, just a special talent. Tell me about that. I mean, who you say was the best guy to defend against? Like you see a lot of the guys coming over our attackers. Who was the best striker you had ever had to defend against? The best striker I played with or played against? Played against. The best striker I played against. Um, Thierry Henry was amazing. Um, Landon Donovan was really, really good as well. Um, I got to play against Brian McBride. He wasn't as mobile as the other ones, but just so strong. Um, Drogba, when he was in Montreal, was a handful. And and that's and that goes back to that question you guys asked me in the beginning. I, I played with I played with Drogba when he was at Montreal in MLS, and then I played him in the USL when he was at Phoenix. And I think the guy was like thirty seven, and just so makes it look so easy, right? And um, just still so motivated. So um, I would say those guys were probably the top of the list. So then in your career, what would you consider to be the greatest goal that you've seen live? It's a good question. The greatest goal I've seen live. So me watching or me being on the field? Both. That's a good question. In MLS or any league? Any league. Any league. I mean, I think Messi and Ronaldo have scored some unbelievable goals where you're just like, this is crazy. I think um, the Champions League bike from Ronaldo comes to mind against Juventus. Um, Messi's free kick goal against Liverpool and Camp Nou was amazing as well um i'm trying to think live that's a good question live um i'm gonna have to come back to you on that one and really think about that that's a good question uh right again we're skipping on your career a little bit uh you finally went to Tampa, which is your hometown club, uh, under its new form as the Rowdies, and then you didn't play, and you went out and loan to Sacramento, also in the DUSL. Uh, I'm wondering, like, I can't remember at this time, but was LA Galaxy's reserve playing in that league at that time? Uh, in the USL, yeah. Yeah. What's, what's it like for when you're, like... Because I've watched some of the USL games, they actually stream it on YouTube, and it's actually a very, very good standard, and they've got some very good games on there. But what's it like as a player then when you're like playing away to someone's reserve team? Uh, it's a good question. So the the USL's come a long way because as MLS gets better, 
USL gets better because some of these players that are MLS guys who aren't maybe playing, they drop down into the USL and they're playing. Every every MLS affiliate or every MLS um, second team does it differently. So for the Galaxy, there was they focus on their academy players. Um, so you had a lot of uh, of their best prospects that were playing a lot of those games. So you wouldn't have. You wouldn't have like the top first team guys come down and play games. That makes sense. Um, so it's totally different from uh, like a Phoenix Rising or a Sacramento Republic, where that's the first team. They're they're buying older players or they're they're trying to get the best players, right? Yeah, um, big crowds. Exactly. So exactly. I would say, like for me playing against them, um, it sucked because nobody came on the road. Nobody came to watch Galaxy Two. So you're playing in an empty stadium, right? Um, nobody That's came. What meant, yeah. yeah, nobody came to watch the Sporting Kansas City second uh, USL team because you know they watched the first team, right? So to play against those teams, um, it sucked. <laughs> Thanks, but yeah, that, that that that's what it meant. It always seemed odd, like you know, especially because Sacramento and as you said, Phoenix actually get very good crowds, and, and uh, Sacramento are going to the MLS now, aren't they? Yeah, and I think I believe twenty twenty two. So I'm excited for them because that was a process that. Um, even from when I was playing there, they were supposed to go in, go in and kind of drag down um, a lot of behind the scenes stuff. But when they go MLS, it's going to be one of the best places to play. Um, they have the basketball team and then they have the soccer team and the soccer team are rock stars there. So when they build their stadium, when they get these players, it's going to be unbelievable. What would be your favorite brand of soccer gear that you would have worn? Oh, that's easy. Uh, Nike. So growing up, I had a bunch of different cleats, um, and then when I got to the youth national team, it was a Nike. It was a Nike. Obviously, or US is sponsored by Nike, right? So we had Nike everything. They would give us cleats, gear, clothes. So I used to wear the Vapors um, through high school, through college, and then when I signed my MLS contract, I signed with Adidas uh, just because of the generation Adidas contract that I signed. So I was with Adidas for about. I'd probably say my whole MLS career I was in Adidas, so seven years. And then after I left, I got the Nike boots back out. But I just love um, their soccer gear. I love their active wear, um, their street gear, a lot of their different shoes. So I, I definitely say the Nike. And then my, my, what I'm going to ask you about is, like you, you told us at the very start of, of this that you were playing for the United States underage teams up to U17 or something like that. And then later, I think, was when you are playing with Sacramento that you, you, you started playing for Puerto Rico. How did that come about? So I actually started playing with Puerto Rico. Um, well, one, um, I'm Puerto Rican on my mom's side, and they had been wanting me to to come play for a while, but I just wasn't ready for, for that project, I, I would say. I think early on in my career, I was still hoping to break into my club team. I was still hoping to get into the U.S. team, and when I realized that wasn't going to be possible, um, I was still just kind of focused on, on the club and, and, and trying to, to be the best player I could be. And it wasn't actually until I went to Tampa, and um, I, I don't know if you guys know this guy, but our coach at the time was a guy named Stuart Campbell. I think he played like the lower leagues in England. Yeah, he's a Scottish, I think, isn't he? I'm not sure what he is, um, but I know he played in England for a bit. Um, but yeah, we, yeah, we didn't like each other, 
And I was having just a, a, a tough time in Tampa, just not playing and um, feeling like I should have been playing. And um, Puerto Rico reached out to me again, and they're like, hey, like, would you would you come? And at that point, I was just so low. I was like, I need something that's going to bring me life and, and that enjoyment of the game. And um, one of my buddies actually played for that team. So I went down there. We played against the U.S., actually. We played against some awesome teams in the Caribbean. And it was such a great experience being on the island. The people were amazing. Uh, my teammates were incredible people. Um, our federation didn't have a lot of money, but just happy people, man. People just love to be a part of it. And, it, and to play for something like that and be a part of, of, of a team like that and, and, and try and put us on the map was, was, was fun to be a part of. What would you... Uh... Obviously, you won two pretty major championships, the the Div 1 soccer championship and then the Canadian championship with TFC in 2012. What was winning those titles like, and would you be able to put one above the other? Like, what would you say was your, your biggest career? Um, yeah, I, was, I would say I think anytime you can win a trophy, is it's fun. I think winning is, is fun. Um, carrying these trophies is amazing. Um. I would. I mean, if I had to, to pick between the two, I'd probably pick the my my college my college one because I think it was just so hard at that time playing against a lot of those teams. Uh, we won in my junior year, and my first two years we felt short, we fell short. And I think the college experience is totally different from being a professional, right? Like uh, in, in college, you're you're living with your teammates, you're going to classes together. You're, you're, you're essentially with each other 24-7. So it was almost like a brotherhood. You do everything together. And then when that experience is over, um, you miss it, right? And so I'm, during this time, I've gotten to, to talk to those guys, and it's, it's awesome to look back on that memory. Um, but, like, the Canadian Championship was awesome as well, right? We got to play in Champions League, and we got to play in some, some, uh, some big games as well with that. But I think... I feel like being at Toronto, you're expected to win that. I think the club is just so good. It's so strong. Um, it was kind of like an expected thing where the College Cup one was was a tough grind to, to finally get a hold of. So speaking of teammates that, you know, you get to go back during right now this pandemic and talk about the memories, who would, who would that you would have played with do you feel, you know, and would have been an under, underrated at the time? Underrated at my college time. Yeah, there's a couple that are that are great stories. So um, I played with in my roommates in college too. I had I had five roommates. Um, I played with AJ De La Garza, who's down in Miami, Inter right now. Who um, unbelievable college player. But then it's like you get into that combine, and then you get into that. Oh, he's short. Oh, is he fast enough? He's a center back. How's he going to adjust? And he ended up getting drafted by the Galaxy and just perfect fit for him, but just ran away with it and just made played a bunch of games, unbelievable time, uh, got a couple U.S. national team call-ups and, and just a great player. Uh, definitely underrated at the time, but just a big part of our success at Maryland. And another one was Graham Zuzzi, who's at Sporting Kansas City. Great college player, scored some big goals, um, but – if they had to do that draft all over again, I, I bet you he would go um, a lot higher than what he did, but just uh, amazing, amazing player. 
you're still a young man. Uh, do you ever get the itch to pull on the boots again? Like, is it all done? Are you happy with coaching, or is there a chance if the right if something fell into your lap, let's say? Yeah, it's funny. I know last year this time I was still trying to play. I was, I I, I just felt like I could go out there and play still. Um, I was a bit depressed but, uh, by not playing. Um, right now, I, I would say I'm a lot more content with with my situation. For me to have to play, I don't know if that'll happen again, but it would have to be like the perfect situation scenario. But right now, it's more playing for fun, keeping fit. Um, I'm very competitive, so I got to watch the leagues that I play in because <laughs> I'm always I'm always wanting to win. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm content right now. Okay, it's good to hear. So, if if Jim Brandon happened to call you up right now. If he called me last year, I would have done it. And I actually reached out to him about about that possibility, and, and nothing came of it. But um, yeah, right now I'm good. Okay, good. Glad to hear. I hope the coaching's going well. <laughs> I was actually going to ask that earlier. Is do you now that you're done playing, do you struggle finding leagues that you can play in? Like, do you have to noticeably tone it down, or is there anything that's kind of available for you that post professional kind of playing style? Um, I wouldn't say tone it down. I would I would say more because I'm so competitive and, and you're expecting a certain level um, when you're playing against guys who, one, can't do those things or play a certain way or you got the other guys who are thinking it's the World Cup and they're taking it, they're going into crazy tackles and stuff. I just feel like with myself and my personality, <laughs> it wouldn't sit well. Um, so... I play a lot of the we, – we have staff games at TFC where a lot of the coaches, academy coaches and office will go get out there and do a little kickabout, which is fun. Um, there's a local team in Newmarket that I jump on and play with um, here and there when, when, when I have the time. So, um, yeah, I'm good. I'm good with that these days. So when it com- comes to your competitive drive, I mean, right now with The Last Dance being out on Netflix uh, – have you watched any of that Michael Jordan documentary and kind of looked at that going, gee, you know, he, you know, Michael Jordan has a lot of those same comparisons that, you know, driven to win, pushed his teammates to be better. Do you feel that you have some of those same comparisons to MJ? Um, well, so I'm definitely watching it because he was my favorite player ever. Um, I, I, w- I would say there's that you have the same, um, traits but not to that level right and that's why they're so good and that's why they're the best um i i enjoyed hanging out with my friends um i enjoyed that lifestyle off the field as well um so i i can't say that i was at that standard of dedication um every time i stepped on the field i gave everything but um these guys are different level right him lebron these kobe guys they there's their mindset their attitude um that that killer instinct you know it's funny listening to some of his teammates say um these things about him right because i yeah i definitely just wasn't that player so i couldn't even and be in the same conversation as that but uh, from the competitive standpoint of wanting to win obviously every time you step on you want to win um but i wasn't i wasn't that that level by any means so then off of that who would you consider had had that type of same drive where on the pitch and off the pitch it was you know 
all about winning championships, all about trying to reach that ultimate goal. Would you say that you've played with any of those types of players? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I know like when, when Thierry came from New York, um, him and Rafa were those guys. And it's funny because at that point, you don't really realize why they're – well, the standard is totally different, right? Barcelona, New York Rebels, is totally different, right? So – if, if he's open and you don't find him with a pass, I could, you could see that frustration or, or the technique. And um, I didn't realize that until I went to Sac Republic and you're playing with some guys and you're just like, come on, like you should be doing that. You know what I mean? Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody but him. I mean, actually, Michael Bradley was one of those players. He was one of those guys who eats, sleeps, and, and, and breathes it. And um, getting a chance to play again with him in Toronto was was pretty cool. Now, I, I've got a question. You, you, you left Sacramento to come back to Toronto. What, what, it had to be a woman. Yep, I fell in love. <laughs> no, no, no one's going to leave the sunny west coast for, 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 for new market. I know, I know. Um, it's, it's funny because I actually love Toronto. Uh, when I played here, I loved the city. I loved. I lived downtown, so I, I loved being in um, a part of all that. There's just so much going on, good people, um, and so my time here in 2014 is when I met my now fiance, and yeah, I was hooked. So every every off season was spent here, which um, it was cold, but yeah, I'm happy. Did you ever get any interesting offers when you were a player, like to come to Europe or South America or Central America or anything like that? You know what? Would you have liked to? I mean, I definitely would have liked to. Uh, One of the reasons why I didn't was because I was happy. I was happy uh, at the clubs that I was at. Um, I didn't want to go to Europe and chase it. You know, some some people go out there and they're just like, oh, I'm trying out here. I'm trying out here. Uh, I didn't want to do that. Um, but when I was actually, when I was 13, um, my dad lived in Minnesota, so I would go up there and spend the summers with him and one of my teammates, his dad played at, uh, Nantes in France. And so, um, me going to Minnesota to play soccer in the summer was, I looked like the best player ever because I got to play year round in Florida. These guys were hockey in the winter, soccer in the summer. Um, but yeah, I got a tryout with Nantes when I was 13 or 14 and, they, they wanted to sign me, which looking back on would have been awesome to do, which I didn't do. But that was probably the only um, the closest I've been to, to going to Europe. You're, uh, obviously, you're the conduit for kids to be able to do that. What would you say? I mean, are you directly involved in that process, being the head coach? And how can you help facilitate these kids to get to that point get to europe yeah to the next level yeah i mean so so right now with the guys i have i have a u10 team pre-academy so for for us it's it's teaching the good um behaviors um the right way to train the right attitude uh for me i love it because my time in SAC, I was one of the older players, me and a guy named Adam Moffitt. I don't know if you know Adam Moffitt, but yeah, so uh, I got to play with um, those guys and just kind of be like a big brother mentor, push these guys along. Um, I've had so many experiences, both 
good, bad. Um, so to be able to share that with these younger players to help them reach their dreams is, is awesome. So getting a coach at team full of 10-year-olds, that must be pretty exciting for you to be able, and like you said, you got you get to coach them the right way, you know, have them be on the pitch, be have, have the right attitude. I mean, when you're coaching 10-year-olds, it's kind of interesting to see how, you know, a 10-year-old reacts to criticism. So how do you properly tell a 10-year-old kid how to make themselves a better player? Um... Well, so, and, and that's where my experiences come down into it, right? So, um, I think we have to be realistic, right? They're only eight, nine, ten years old. Um, they're all still working on their game, right? They're all learning how to be what, what a soccer player is. How do I, my dream is to be a professional. How do I get there? I got to get these, these habits, right? So, for me, it's, it's, a, it's more about uh, the habits, the, the work rate. Um, that other stuff will come later down the road when, as they get older, but right now it's, it's building a mentality and instilling confidence in them to, to try new things, to, uh, believe in themselves. Okay. It sounds like you're absolutely loving the coaching things and like, yes, it is great coaching under 10s, but again, with your competitive desire and, and, and the fact you played the game at a super high level over here. Do you, would would you like to go into like being a hedge coach somewhere or a first team coach for like either a USL team, a, a Canadian Premier League team? Do, do you have that kind of goal for yourself, 100%. or are you just happy? Yeah, that's 100%. that's where you want to go. Yeah, I miss I miss the game days. I miss um, you know traveling um, to the stadium for for games, going into the locker room. I love being a part of it, and so when I have the game days with my little guys, it's fun because. I'm I'm back in that that atmosphere, but I want to be in a competitive environment where the wins and losses mean something. Where um, you're you're preparing for an opponent, where it's it's more derived by winning. I love that. Okay, when we get a soccer team in Barry, you'd be the first people we call. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you to bring your boots as well. Oh, I'll do it. Let's go. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I think we've 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 taken. Uh, is there... Go on, there, Vic. I was just literally going to say the same thing. I was just going to say about the end of the time now. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about in particular, or anything you wanted to, to mention? Anyone you want to mention? Well, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't mention anybody in particular, but um, I mean, I I, I think for me, it's. I guess I, I just feel like I'm, I've been blessed to be able to, to play for so long as I have. But for now, me being on this other side, I, I just love to to help and and, and help people achieve uh, their dreams. So um, I'm glad that you guys brought me on. This is awesome. And any, um, I'd love to be a part of. Okay, we'll, we'll keep in touch. We'd love to speak to you again, maybe. We'll have another little chinwag sometime. But... Uh, if there's anybody out there listening, uh, they can get us. We've got a Twitter page, Kempfeld Crew. We've got an Instagram page. We're on Facebook. Send us a message. But anyway, thank you very much, Jeremy Hall. We really, really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll talk again. Yes, okay. sir. Thanks so much. See you guys. See ya. Bye.